Okay, welcome back. So, um, <clears throat> for anybody or anyone who's uh, following along with the uh, follow the bouncing ball on the bottom of the screen, uh, we just finished uh, the long series from pain to release, and uh, I'm glad <laughs> because it's finished and uh, I've been released. Uh, <clears throat> I had felt for a while that I should talk about defense mechanisms because it's very easy to talk about universal principles, uh, but the specifics of how we're stuck and how we fool ourselves, how we've fooled ourselves, how we are not honest, how we don't heal, how we uh, remain um, with old emotional imprinted pain, right? as Arthur Janov said, rather than <clears throat> um, allowing or being able to have catharsis and release and move to a more balanced, um, love-wisdom-based uh, experience of self and way of being with others. The, the nitty-gritty of that is really important, uh, and lots of spiritual folks don't, uh, don't want to look at the nitty-gritty of how I'm splitting or projecting, uh, how uh, my self-image is inflated, deflated, or um, erased or inadequate, meaning I don't see myself well enough, I don't know myself so well. And <clears throat> uh, I was listening um, in the last few days to an album uh, from Genesis, Bill Collins and Steve Hackett and uh, Rutherford and Banks uh, from the from England in the in seventy six, and I was listening to it on and on and on and on and on and on hour after hour. Many songs um, to me, there's some exquisite beauty in that in many of the songs of that album, uh, and everybody is touched differently. And <clears throat> uh, I recommend. You can find all the individual songs of that album on YouTube, and there are various versions of the full album, which is about an hour. The, what I sent was a link to the a 432 hertz modified version of the album, uh, and it's very touching. And, and basically, I you know personally was listening to this in 1976, when I was 14 years old, which was the end of childhood and the beginning of um, adulthood for me. <clears throat> very much certain things happened uh, around 13, 14, so that it was uh, childhood's end and um, the beginning of um, the long path of adulthood in this incarnation. And <clears throat> uh, brought up, it, w it was a very strong catalyst for me listening for hour after hour uh, and brought up a lot of sorrow and also my sp spiritual perspective, meaning... Um, the big view of uh, incarnation and where I'm from and where I'm going, uh, which is <clears throat> the case for all of us, meaning there's a big picture um, to be seen or involved in our life, uh, and we usually get attached to and stuck in the details of uh, daily, daily life, relationships and what I like and what I don't like and little problems and dis disappointments. Uh, and forget the big picture, like, why am I here? Or, yes, I am here from elsewhere, uh, temporarily here. Um, in not too much time at all, I'll be gone, whether it's 20 years or 40 years or whatever. <clears throat> uh, 
we're just passing through. And um, in my mind kept arising <clears throat> the, the thought, this is exquisite beauty, exquisitely beautiful, particularly certain songs like um, the song called Entangled, a song called Mad Mad Moon, the title song Trick of the Tale, and particularly a song called Ripples, which um, I don't know if I heard that when I was 14, but I think I did, and um, <clears throat> it's exquisite beauty. And then I'm thinking, what is beauty? Beauty is in some ways just an objective determinant or objective condition. Objective meaning it, it ain't whether I like it or not is not the same. But what was I feeling when I kept thinking this is such exquisite beauty? Um, well, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> um, it was joy, but there was deep sorrow. But the experiencing of the deep sorrow was not grievous and felt a critical catharsis releasing for me. Uh, in the <clears throat> other class on Tao Te Ching last time, I brought up um, a very classical Chinese conception that what is great must also be right. What is right means of truth and goodness. What is great is of power. Tao de, Tao de Ching. Um, Arthur Whaley translates as the way and its power. Tao is way. De as power. Power also is virtue, or the virtuous power of the way. And <clears throat> I made some association that Tao uh, de is very much like the Logos and light. So the way and its power is also the Logos and its light. <laughs> That's a very interesting translation to a kind of raw material and very um, hardcore Catholic metaphysics uh, where E. Michael Jones and some other people talking about Logos extensively. Logos as Dharma. Logos as the ordering principle of creation. Which cannot be... Um, which is not a matter of personal sentiment. Um, creation is, with its laws, uh, as it is, whether we like it or not. And that's back to Lao Tzu's talk about uh, the Tao or heaven. The Tao sees all men as straw dogs. Straw dogs. <clears throat> Originally, before any uh, Quentin Tarantino um, deformation, uh, straw dogs were used in ancient China in ritual, meaning I guess they had originally probably sacrificed dogs. Then they were sacrificing straw, replicas of dogs, and then burning them and trashing them when they were finished with the ritual. In the sense that, <clears throat> and, and so Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu, whoever, saying um, in one of the chapters, I forgot, maybe four or five or six, uh, heaven and earth, or the Tao considers, uh, sees all men as straw dogs, and the Tao, the, the sage as well, meaning uh, one interpretation. Uh, whether you like it or not, um, the Tao and its duh is. The, the logos, or a, an intelligent design, that we're existing within an intelligent design with laws, 
macrocosm. We, as conscious agents, with uh, free will, apparently, uh, exist within uh, an environment. <clears throat> the environment is the octave, seven dimensions, 31 planes, triloka in Buddhism, seven uh, densities, uh, the six states of being in Buddhism. This is the macrocosm that goes by logoic principle, <clears throat> particularly the principle of causality, cause and effect, which gives rise to the law of karma, or karma as a logoic law, or a law of the system. And if we wish <laughs> benevolent, you know, good, uh, if we wish uh, long-term welfare and benefit, like Buddhism, like Gautama is using, our own long-term welfare and benefit, we better be in harmony with the laws of the Logos, or do that, set into motion the causes and conditions that lead to consequences that are of long-term welfare and benefit. Meaning, uh, I want happiness, I want love, I want abundance, or I want sufficiency, uh, I want health, I want what? Everything we want. All the things we want, fine. Um, I want spiritual awakening, I want peace of heart, I want healing. Well, fine. We must set into motion the causes and conditions that lead to those consequences. And <clears throat> that ultimately means living in accord with the good and the true and the beautiful. And uh, I looked then to uh, Mr. Google and uh, Mr. Wikipedia and found um, an interesting page <laughs> uh, called The Transcendentals, which is not a Motown group. Um, that's the Wikipedia link coming from uh, Parmenides. Who's Parmenides? Well, I think Mr. Parmenides is going to be the guy that we look into next. Uh, maybe today could be called <laughs> Introduction to the Series on Parmenides. Parmenides was a peer of Heraclitus. Some people say they were in conflict or competition. Whatever. Parmenides, on the second link, which is uh, HTTP Road of Faith and Art, Road of Faith and Art, um, the owner of the site is a Catholic, I guess, and talks about um, his study in the 1960s uh, in Rome from a Jesuit, and, you know, <laughs> I'm not endorsing uh, everything that I'm drawing from here, okay? But, uh, you know, that that's the point. I can take some truth wherever it is. I want to take truth wherever it is. I want to take important truth. I want to discern what's important truth, what's not important truth. To me, everybody has their own scale of what's important. I want to discern what's important and true for me uh, wherever I'm looking and then also discern what seems unimportant and what seems untrue. So, uh, the title of this page is The Transcendentalia, it's Greek, or I mean Latin, Transcendentalia of Being. <clears throat> well, being is, um, the, is a term used associated with six chakra. Uh, it's associated with um, higher self. It's the counterpart to doing, being and doing, and yet being is the one doing. <laughs> being is the one that does. Doing is the activity and function of being, 
being is uh, a personalized experience of the one. Uh, higher self is not yet finished identity and memory, Ra said. <clears throat> there still is identity, a, per a, a transpersonal identity for higher self. Um, while we have a body, mind, personality, identified personal being, higher self is a transpersonally identified being or being uh, from transpersonal awareness, which includes, which is basically Ra said, the awareness that, that uh, of unified self and all is light and I is light. Self is light, and that means one. But that's not yet infinity. There's still memory and identity. So beyond higher self is the <clears throat> renunciation or uh, detachment, letting go, releasing of identity and memory. <laughs> all right? And, and it's personal identity. It's even the transpersonal identity, all is light, I is light, this is unified self, this is higher self, this is Atman, that's let go too. And that's the eighth fetter broken in Buddhism. And that's breaking eight, nine, and going off to the next octave. So if you know the, eight, if you know the higher three fetters, eight, nine, ten, you'll know what higher self is doing to get out of six, to go to seven, to go to eight. <clears throat> to leave the octave to be finished with the whole scheme of birth and death or, or reincarnation. But being is um, the touchstone uh, on path back to essence or source, to logos. And the qualities of being um, are basically the qualities of fourth and fifth and sixth chakra. And so the top of the page, uh, the title, The Transcendentalia of Being, Ends ist unum verum bonum et bellum. Ends is essence <coughs> or being. Is one unum verum truth bonum um, beauty and uh, bonum is uh, goodness and bellum is beauty. And so what he says is down the page because I don't read all I don't need all of what he's writing here. He's saying. <coughs> Starting his class on metaphysica, meaning metaphysics, uh, the professor who was posing uh, his dialogue with himself and a dog, okay, in Latin, <laughs> you know, the Jesuits are pretty smart folks, so they, he's fluent Latin, imagining a dialogue, the teacher, with his dog, basically starting with the root of um, Parmenides' question. And Parmenides' question was, quid est ens? What is being? What is essence? Okay, and so he goes on the middle paragraph. When we started Metaphysica, meaning that class in Rome in the 60s, the professor who was posing his teaching as a dialogue with him and his dog, his dog's first question was, quid or kid, quid and quid est ends? All right, what are the transcendental properties of being? What is being? Actually, and he says, it was the Greek Parmenides and not that dog. It was Parmenides, the first philosopher to pose this question <clears throat> of the fundamental or transcendental qualities of being. What is being? And um, this, um, you know, is associated again with um, my, my working in the other class to... Um, uh, uncover the fundamentals, the, the foundations uh, uh, 
of 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 what is called great, <laughs> and and the Tao is great, and the power of the Tao is the, the Tao da is the greatness of creation, the power, the will, uh, and it's very much um, the way we may describe higher self or uh, achieved being is greatness. It's but it includes uh, truth and goodness, and it includes beauty. And this is all uh, uncovering aspects of what is beauty and what is the path back home. And so, okay, it's Parmenides who asked this question, quid est ens, what is being? What is the fundamental, essential qualities of being? And then, he goes over very briefly (laughs) the history of philosophy. Plato discussed the form of good, Right, Plato's cave, <clears throat> the good being um, uh, bonum. Aristotle introduced the concept of transcendentalia, meaning a combination of transcendentals. Autonomous uh, of Aquinas established the basic defining elements of being, and so he's explaining. Uh, you know, these are Catholic right theologians, right? And again, I'm not endorsing something I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm endorsing what I'm saying. If I say, you know, you're very smart, it doesn't mean you're not a liar sometimes. <laughs> if I say, well, I try to be kind, it doesn't mean that sometimes I'm not kind. Yeah. So let's just be <laughs> reasonable. <clears throat> if one says A is A, it's just a statement that A is A. It doesn't mean that A is B or not B. It's just one statement. And so. Uh, I'm trying to head off at the past criticism, although there's not that much. In general, the people who don't like this are gone, long gone from the YouTube channel, which is good. So they're on to other things. <clears throat> but I'm not endorsing everything of Thomas of Aquinas and Aristotle and all these guys and Jesuits and everything. No, I'm just talking about these points. And and we should understand that because there's a lot of... Uh, um, hocus-pocus, um, silly and illogical-mindedness in discussion these days, you know, saying, uh, Trump is not perfect. Well, Hillary would have been worse. Well, I didn't say that. I just said, this guy is not perfect. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of loose-mindedness based on emotional uh, instability around. So Plato brings up good. Aristotle talks about transcendentalia. Aquinas, Thomas of Aquinas, then... Um, establishes uh, a deep understanding of what is what is this transcendentalia, what are transcendental qualities of being. And so then we have unum verum bonum, the one, the true, the good. <clears throat> Later, the concept of bellum or beauty was added. All right. So uh, being is of the one. Being is... Um, the, what I would call associated with the Chinese understanding of greatness, and its and its essential qualities include truth, truth and goodness and beauty. Now, going to the page on transcendental, the transcendentals, you'll see some very interesting points, um, and this is uh, sort of setting the table, I guess, for Parmenides, uh, who, <clears throat> interestingly, on the Wikipedia page. Uh, was a pre, just back to Parmenides, back (laughs) jumping a little bit here, Uh, to Parmenides' first paragraph, Wikipedia, 
And, uh, you know, Wikipedia has lots of problems, but everything has lots of problems in this world. Uh, the first paragraph, he was a late 6th or 5th, early 5th century BC <laughs> philosopher, just like Heraclitus. Just, it seems, like Lao Tzu in China. Just like Gautama walking in India, all the same time, 2,500 years ago or so. A uh, pre-Socratic Greek philosopher from Elia in Magna Gracia, Grecia, you know, Greater Greece. He has been considered the founder of metaphysics or ontology in the West and has influenced the whole history of Western philosophy. So here at the root, um, we have Parmenides. And Heraclitus was um, kind of his counterpart, um, but they seem to have some conflict. And it just shows you that, that you know, Heraclitus is sort of the mystical... Uh, Heraclitus is akin to Jung, while Parmenides is, a, is akin to Freud. So in the history of Western psychology, we have Freud and Jung, I mean, I think, you know, many people are, you know, everybody's got their opinion, but to me, the founding fathers, uh, there are founding mothers, I guess, but the founding fathers could be considered, or I'd consider Freud and Jung. One was um, more left brain, the other one right, or one is more um, analytical, logical, um, physical, emotional, mental, and the other is more mental, spiritual, Jung. Likewise, you have Parmenides and Heraclitus, who um, offered the two sides. And very much in China, you've got Lao Tzu and Confucius, right? And so, um, and in India, what? You have uh, Buddha and who? Uh, Mahavira, the Jain, uh, 2,500 years ago? I don't know. But in, it's interesting to consider that in India, you have Gautama at this time, 2,500 years ago, and who... who um, certainly was offering metaphysical philosophy um, the way of release from suffering and ignorance. In Greece, you have particularly Parmenides and Heraclitus, and also Pericles before, Law talked about. And in China, you have Lao Tzu and Confucius, with again a similar kind of yin-yang polarity in their focus, one being more worldly, social, and the other one being more transcendental, uh, individual, you know, the, the greater individual work uh, leads to the transcendental, while the greater social work <clears throat> um, or the greater um, mind-body work leads to the formation of order in society, uh, or <laughs> more or less mystical and more uh, this-worldly. So Parmenides has been considered the founder of, I'd say, Western metaphysics and ontology, founder of the Eleatic School of Philosophy. And so, <clears throat> uh, he um, basically was trying to explain the nature of being. Now, the transcendentals are considered the, uh, I would consider them the essential distillations of um, green, blue, indigo or ways of understanding the distillation or perfection of green, blue, indigo, the perfection of heart chakra, throat chakra, and uh, uh, six ray, the ajna chakra, ajna forehead, uh, third eye. These uh, properties of being that correspond to three aspects of human fields of interest and are their ideals, funny 
poorly written sentence. So transcendental is as a triad, <clears throat> the creative principle by which the one becomes the 10,000 things being a triad, the three, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, <laughs> Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, love, free will, love, 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 light, the triangle uh, pyramid on the uh, dark side of the moon album, from which, uh, into which comes the one light and out of which comes the seven colors. This is the way that one becomes seven or one becomes, uh, seven is uh, the essence of the 10,000 things. That's a phrase in Chinese philosophy, 10,000 things being all of heaven and earth, which is all of the octave, which is seven, which comes out of the one um, by way of the three. That's the cosmic numeric, one, three, seven. So three as a cosmic, as the, the essential basis of creation. There is no light without will and love. The action of free will upon love, Ross said, is the origin of light with a capital L. Uh, and that is what creates the octaves, or that is the, the work of, uh, of the logos, is the creation of light out of infinity, from infinity to finite vibratory light. That's called creation. Uh, you've got this same triad in terms of the the essential nature of being as spoken by these guys i mean other people can disagree and have their own perspective uh and then there's the correspondence uh within human fields of interest or human activity um but i'll bring it down to the personal because these are the social collective but let's talk about the individual the correlates to the three the tree the three being uh the good and the true and the beautiful um the ordering is important because good is associated with love, true is associated with wisdom or fifth ray. The beautiful, I'd say, is very much associated with a, a perfect balance, an excellent balance, integration of uh, green and blue, which means uh, it's of six ray, six density, as the perfect balance, uh, wisdom and compassion, as the Buddhists say of the Bodhisattva, and the Bodhisattva like Atman or higher self. This perfect balance between receiving and giving or um, being and doing um, feeling and knowing um, stillness and motion the resolution of all these polarities which is really what Heraclitus and Tao Te Ching is all about explaining the upward downward path and the way to harmonize um, apparent you know uh, polarities and conflict and contradiction uh, as the way to one, right? The path to one is the path to being, is the path of a mind-body-spirit complex from third density to six, is the way for us of um, healing lower triad blockage by way of green-blue, love-wisdom, which is unconditional acceptance and discerning, discernment, mm, to clear the path from, from red to indigo, the path from red to indigo, that's the great work here. And so I'm not so interested in, in the human fields of interest, frankly. They're not that interesting because humanity, you know, <laughs> the leadership of humanity is so profoundly distorted. Um, I lost interest long, long, long ago. But <clears throat> we have science associated with truth, uh, arts associated with beauty, and religion <laughs> should be associated with goodness, or it used to be, or might be for some. So the good and the true and the beautiful green blue indigo 
the good, um, at least from Wikipedia's perspective, <laughs> traditionally, ideally, um, sadly not, but um, theoretically associated with religion, goodness. I mean, the essence, you know, what, what's, the fir- what's the purpose of religion is to teach goodness and morality. And um, if you don't believe, uh, you'll probably be immoral. <laughs> I mean, it's just the reality. I mean, Putin talks about this uh, often, the importance of uh, religiosity for those who seek religion um, as a moral backbone of society. Unfortunately, as I said many, many times, it seems that people who have no belief in afterlife or cosmic plan, <clears throat> or the principles that, you know of soul, spiritual view, people who reject all that also seem to uh, reject any notion of morality and then fall into what we would call immorality or wrong speech, wrong action, which is basically do whatever the hell you want because you ain't going to be here long and there are no consequences, which is tarvaka, the heresy of materialism. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a long way for souls to go who have that view unfortunately. But the ideal is that religion teaches goodness while science or logic, you know, teaches of truth or uh, wisdom, fifth ray, while the arts bring us beauty or are manifest the development of beauty. Of course, today we see how everything's all screwed up. And so art is ugly and religion is satanic <laughs> or corrupt and uh, deceitful and you know, commercial and um, science is the handmaiden of the New World Order. Okie dokie, so we live in a very uh, fallen collective, but we can continue growing in the true and the good and the beautiful, definitely, definitely. So philosophical doctrines that study them, this is, you know, more correspondences of the triad, our logic, aesthetics, ethics, logic associated with truth, aesthetics associated with art or beauty, and ethics associated with goodness. Uh, And so, yeah, to develop goodness and green ray, one does need ethics and and morality. And to develop um, truth and understanding uh, wisdom, fifth chakra, right? We're just, you know, my my focus is the development of green, blue, indigo. Uh, The human social collective correlates are not that important because today they're hopelessly distorted, I say, in my opinion. (laughs) Scientists, you know, (laughs) they're doing global warming, or they're doing actually chemtrailing from their view of global warming and dot, dot, dot. Uh, So science as the handmaiden of industry and the New World Order and Orion uh, doesn't uh, necessarily care about truth too much. But logic is critical for the development of fifth ray. If you want to be, if you want the development of fifth ray, you better be logical, which means know the difference between emotional and logical. Uh, logic or analysis or careful reason, which is of the logos, right? Um, one of the understandings of the word logos from E. Michael Jones and you know, kind of Catholic metaphysics, <clears throat> is that um, um, the one that makes this system. Uh, makes it by reason, and um, divine order is of logoic reason, or the logos establishes the order, establishes creation which is orderly, based on logic and reason, <clears throat> and and that's critical for fifth ray development. 
um, to be objective in our uh, analysis. And if if, um, if if something's mistaken, to acknowledge it doesn't mean I am mistaken. It means I'm holding a mistaken view. And that's also important uh, to recognize that, you know, I holds many views. And some of those views are accurate, and some of them are not. And all of them are works in progress. But the importance of logic um, and cool, non-emotional reason for the development of fifth ray is critical. <laughs> Should not be underestimated. Cannot be overestimated. Aesthetics associated with beauty and ethics associated with um, goodness. So, ethics, <laughs> morality, uh, the golden rule, ahimsa, do no harm, is critical for the development of, of Green Ray, obviously. Logic, reason, cool, um, non-sentimental thinking and seeing and honestly admitting about self and other is critical critical for the development of Blu-ray and then um, sensitivity to harmony and a willingness to hold uh, all and a big picture to reconcile opposites um, yes I feel very angry Yes, that's a distortion. Uh, but yes, it's associated with this person speaking to me deceptively or mistakenly or aggressively. So there's a distortion in the environment or you got a distortion in play and that triggered my emotional reaction, which is a distortion. And um, you, it would be nice if you would see your problem just as I seek to see mine. Uh, that's a kind of, um, you know, non-sentimental analysis. And then, why am I getting upset? That's my problem. If I'm triggered, it's my problem. And if I've been in the dark or I've been fooled, it's my problem. Even if the other person is uh, coming to us in a distorted way. Uh, this is, you know, logic. <laughs> Logical, hopefully. Rational. And that's critical for Fifth Ray. And beauty... In many ways, the sensitivity to beauty um, is a function of how well a person has um, developed green and blue. And so the development of 6th ray very much depends on the development of 4 and 5 and its balance. The abil ability to actually appreciate beauty and then gradations of beauty, right? There are gradations of beauty. There is beautiful, <laughs> there's lovely beauty, and then there's extreme, exquisite beauty. Right? Have you ever seen extreme beauty? Exquisite beauty? Do you even know what that is? You can. I think I do. That doesn't mean I'm good or bad. There is exquisite beauty, and there is, uh, you know, um, normal beauty, which is quite wonderful. Um, and it's possible to know, to, to know the gradations of beauty. This is six rank. And it takes a very quiet mind. <laughs> you can't be... Uh, highly sensitive unless the mind is highly um, still, <laughs> highly highly quiet, highly spacious or greatly spacious and deeply deeply peaceful, you know. And and so the function of wisdom is to clear confusion, and the and the function of um, love or goodness morality 
is to prevent regret and to um, cut away that which will bring us pain. You know, what you do, you get. What goes out comes back. What comes in has been, you know, is deserved karmically. And so without, uh, you know, without goodness, without ethics, without morality, falling into wrong speech, wrong action again and again, more pain comes. And um, the normal reaction to pain is anger or some harsh treatment, some unfair treatment, somebody coming at me unfairly. The normal reaction, which is distorted, is anger. It also came to me clear, listening to Genesis <laughs> at the beginning, that um, one may consider anger and attachment to anger as blocked grief. Anger is blocked grief. Attachment to anger, chronic anger, resentment, is blocked grief. And the more we allow grief and sorrow and angst, the less angry we'll be. And um, the more anger, the more grief. The more grief been, that's been blocked and not yet healed by release or catharsis. And so release of, of grief is what leads to um, a quiet heart, is what leads to um, the potential of great six-ray development, which is great um, stillness or um, peacefulness, samadhi, right? So quiet, steady, uh, stillness of mind at a steady state, silence of mind at a steady state, as Ra said. Samadhi, calm abiding, peaceful equanimity, upekka, upeksha. And so it, it's peaceful heart from a long-established harmlessness without, therefore, heavy regret, which is called distorted self-esteem. Why do you think people have distorted self-esteem? It's because there's a lot of pain in the mind, because there's self-blame. Uh, self-blame based on what? Based on having done harm to self and other before or now and that causes regret and that's remorse and that is not a that doesn't conduce to a quiet mind or great sensitivity to beauty it's still in need of healing okay well that's great and so but to the extent that we're stuck in anger we're continued blocking grief and the more grief and sorrow that is natural that comes up and out um the less angry we'll be the less um, irritable will be, the more we'll be peaceful. And notice or be aware when we when we fall out of that. It's like the more mindfulness one has on the breath, the the faster one catches having forgotten um, mindfulness. The more mindfulness or peacefulness, the easier it is to stay in mindfulness or stay in non-grasping attentiveness, non-grasping attention. Right? That's mindfulness, sati, anapanna sati, in breath, out breath, sati, mindfulness non-grasping attentiveness um, that's why meditation or vipassana speeds up the process now <laughs> if you haven't had enough fun let's go down the page to the history a little bit um, interestingly this whole discussion of the nature of being its constituents the way the, the relationship between being which is ontology study of being and metaphysics right if you want to know uh, greater physics, the laws of the of the macrocosm, including the invisible, the 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 laws and the principles by which all existence came to be and and continues. Uh, we go to metaphysics, 
and that is ultimately begins, or, or one way to begin it is in ontology, which is the study of being. And so right here, 500 years before Yeshua appeared, we have Western philosophers looking into the roots of metaphysics, which is called being. Being is um, what is. What is is more than just physical. <laughs> There's the non-physical. They knew it, and um, everyone with spiritual view knows it. Parmenides first inquired of the properties coextensive or uh, coincidental with being. What are the properties of being? Being as the essential nature of what is um, distinct from uh, be prior to human interpretation, prior to human activity, in fact. Socrates through Plato then followed, and that's where we're talking about goodness or... <laughs> Um, form, the form, Plato's forms. Then we have the second Aristotle, substance theory. So everybody's just trying to figure things out, right? Substance being, being a substance belongs to being qua being. Uh-uh. Uh, so being a substance, <laughs> I don't know what this exactly means. Being a substance belongs to being um, qua being as being, qua. Being as being is um from Aristotle's view, substance. And that, you know, in many ways we can say, yes, in many ways we can say that being is light. Being is akin to intelligent energy from the metaphysics of Ra. Uh, being is what um, gives rise to function. Um, the, the, the activity of being is doing. And the nature of being is, is light. So Ross said, the, the nature of all energy is light. Energy, matter, consciousness. The nature of all forms in the seven dimensions, all beings, all material objects, all energy fields, its nature is light. And so you can say that, uh, you know, one understanding of what this eternal or essential substance, if, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure if I would say that, I mean, to me, Yes, if you're looking at some kind of essential substance, you're looking at, at light, intelligent energy. Uh, there's more to being than substance, though. <laughs> and Aristotle was a pretty square fellow. So there's a lot more going on than the substance of being, or being is much more than its substantial nature. <laughs> yes, I know some people are said, this is too much for me, I just want to go back and take it easy. This is hardcore philosophy. When I was in college, um, I really liked guys like Plotinus. I even had um, Lowe's library, Loeb library, the little green books. I had a few of these little green books with Plotinus and <clears throat> fellows it, it, from you know translations of the Greek and Latin. Um, very interesting stuff because this is the um, fundamental Western devel the development, the fundamental development of Western philosophy which um, spells out some things that the Eastern doesn't. Uh, while Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta, and then later the raw material, which is a great East-West integration, actually, or um, Christian metaphysical, Christian universalist metaphysical, um, multidimensional. Uh, the, the Western has uh, some perspectives that are very useful. Just like this formulation, that the nature of being um, is of the good and the true and the beautiful. These are the fundamental properties of um, the substance of being. 
or being. So then Aristotle talked about substance, that being was a substance that belongs to being, or there's a substantial aspect to being, all right? Theory of transcendentals, and then we get the three. He discusses, Aristotle discusses only unity, one, explicitly, because it's the only transcendental intrinsically related to being, whereas truth and goodness relate to rational creatures, and that's a very, very subtle distinction. There's a difference between six chakra and four five. Four five five four is truth and goodness. Six chakra is of one, the unity. And it's really the, the essential quality of being. The, the heart of being is much more expressed in six ray than, than four five. And, and yet the, the fullest development of six ray is four five six. There's no completed development of six ray without four five. There's no completed experience of being or unity without perfected love wisdom. Pop, pop, pop. And so truth and goodness relate to rational creatures, yes. We proceed along the path by <laughs> wisdom and compassion. Wisdom and compassion, fifth ray, blue ray, green ray. Um, logic, <laughs> analysis, discernment, commitment to truth. I love truth. I loved truth, right? Commitment to that in love, in um, a desire to, you know, we're not perfect, we're trying, uh, seeking harmlessness, seeking to, to know virtue well. Um, that's the path to one. For the positive path, that's the normal path for most everyone. Um, and are intrinsically more of path than fruit. In six ray uh, itself, uh, associated with being or fruit, it's the, certainly the first fruit uh, of, of the path. I mean, the first fruit, you could say, is harvestability to fourth density. But the main fruit of the path for beings that that haven't hit higher self yet is higher self late sixth density i am one i am that i am and uh, truth and goodness and so this is a very subtle important point aristotle throwing out that yes truth and goodness relate to rational beings such as us and the only transcendental intrinsically transcendental quality or the only transcendental intrinsically or essentially or only uh, or exclusively related to being is unity, but that's associated with beauty. And so the sensitivity to beauty is associated with the sensitivity to unity. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know the difference between exquisite beauty and <laughs> uh, normal beauty, which is pretty wonderful to begin with, uh, it, it may indicate some kind of awareness of unity. And awareness of unity also comes out as... Um, um, healthy sense of self, <laughs> uh, knowing the difference um, between an experience of separated identity, which is called personality, and what what I is, and to know that actually, uh, con even consciousness is born of ignorance," said Gautama. It means subjectivity is impermanent. Subjective identity is impermanent. Identity is thrown out at sixth density. Ra said. Yeah, right. Higher self, when 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 the being, one <laughs> when an entity leaves six entity, one leaves identity. Um, one may taste that the one <laughs> you as the one we as beings expressing the one may taste freedom from identity now, 
Of course, it's <laughs> right on the border of psych psychopathy, psychopathy um, psychopathology, actually. <clears throat> if the person goes into dissociation or grandiosity or all sorts of uh, un unneeded samskaric fashionings and fabrications, fermenting, you know, <laughs> a mind that ferments the experience of um, unity goes into pathology. Uh, grandiosity or some kind of uh, erased false selfhood um, identity. So one may <laughs> experience the, the transpersonal and the transsubjectivist and um, experience unity, um, which is beyond identity. I mean, ultimately, I mean, you can have the identity that I am one, all is one, but freedom from identity is freedom from unity. And one may experience that too. That's called contact with intelligent infinity, characterized by extreme beauty and joy. Mm. Extreme, exquisite beauty. The ex contact with intelligent infinity, as far as I know, from what I know, um, is um, uh, um, experience of exquisite beauty um, beyond uh, unified identity. It may feel like unified identity when we come back to thought, but... Um, it's just a titillation, um, a rig, you know, a, a twittering beyond stupid human Twitter. A, a kind of um, th trill. The word is trill. T r i l l. A trilling. A trilling. It's basically the joy of um, non-fermented um, light vibration. <laughs> non-fermented light. Non-fermented vibrating light with a capital L is the trill of joy of contact with intelligent infinity as far as I know uh, fine <laughs> so uh, rightly so Aristotle recognized I think that the only one of the transcendentals which at this point what didn't bring in beauty see beauty it's, it's interesting how things change over the centuries uh, originally the transcendentals were um, I mean Originally, from Parmenides, like in that other page, it's basically unity, uh, truth, and goodness. Later it became, I mean, commonly people think the true and the good and the beautiful, the good and the true and the beautiful. Uh, unity has been kicked out and replaced by beauty. Beauty is pretty good. Um, but yes, the quality, you know, qualities of being are qualities of unity. Unity and being is uh, synonymous to me. And so the essential quality of uh, being is unity. And and yet it, it does, because the fullest experience of six ray includes full development of four and five, <clears throat> that, that beautiful, the beautiful experience of unity, the unified experience of beauty, Brings it has within it or is subsumed within it uh, truth and goodness, or honesty and virtue. There is no great without right, and right means virtue, and that's you know the positive path, and that's why the negatives really don't know anything much. Frankly, they can manipulate dirt and um, and dummies, the dirt dummy manipulators. <clears throat> they can have a whole planet full of repeaters following them and that's uh, their that's their work going down the page 
Um, uh, Albert the Great formulated a doctrine of the transcendentality of good. So these guys are, you know, they're working on um, deep understanding, elaboration of the fundamental principles of being. That's great. How, how lovely. So it was Catholic philosophers that uh, thought, that elaborated the thought that they were uh, transcendentals and then they transcended, they transcended the ten Aristotelian categories. So he had ten categories and they boiled it down to three. Albert the Great gets into study of good and Aquinas. So Al interestingly, Aquinas was the student of Albert the Great, whoever that was. Uh, so Aquinas goes down to five transcendentals um, and then in other cases he follows the typical list, meaning three transcendentals consisting of the one, the good, and the true. And then you can see how uh, people kind of reshuffled the deck a little bit and realized you could say the beautiful, the true, good and true, the good, true, beautiful, instead of the good, true, the one. But indeed the one um, includes, I mean, the essential properties of, of six-dimensional consciousness <laughs> uh, include fourth and fifth ray development, which is the good and the true, which is virtue and honesty. And so deep commitment to virtue, a deep commitment to honesty, as best as we can, right? The, the problem is we have desires and we have emotional wounding and we have lots of blind spots and we have lots of unrecognized harmful patterns. Um, uh, and let me just read a couple more and then I want to go to a, a comment from Ra uh, and then wrap it up for today. Bottom paragraph, in Christian theology, the transcendentals, you know, good, true, beautiful, or good, true, and the one, are treated in relation to theology proper, the doctrine of God. And so, you know, <laughs> the heresy of materialism and today's skeptics and atheists and antifa and angry folks um reject the good and the true and the beautiful too actually mm. many times they're not they're dishonest i mean there's a lot of dishonesty to go around enough to go around but um if you reject the notion of god the reality of god the notion of god the question of god which is what it's basically benevolent intelligent creative design or a benevolent intelligent creator of light a beingness or a force or a power or infinite intelligence intelligent infinity one infinite creator a an intentional benevolent source of creation not accidental not random i mean you know i mean richie from boston who i like a lot despite his failings everybody has failings I like him a lot. Uh, he just put, put up the old interview with Bezmanov recently, the KGB guy talking about demoralization, and it was very powerful and very bitter on his uh, Richie from Boston number two channel. Um, <clears throat> mm, I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. But um, the, the people in general who... Um, well, now, he's talking about basically... Uh, the cultural um, deformation of the West 
the degradation of culture in the West, where people, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it just seems to be, that people who reject religion end up rejecting morality. It doesn't have to be. There's secular humanism, but people seem to reject logic <laughs> and beauty and goodness or virtue and harmlessness as they reject God or divine um, benevolent intelligent design and he yeah he actually had the point you know everybody talks about Big Bang well what what did the Big Bang come from well the Big Bang was a bang of what a bang of nothing well there was something that banged you know so what was that something that that had its Big Bang and emission of light and galaxies well, that could be called God or the Logos or Source. And so people don't ask, you know, materialists, um, atheists don't ask certain questions because they don't know. But then they presume that what they believe is true. And I mean, there are religionists who presume their beliefs true also without proof. Um, so there isn't a lot of proof in this world. Um going further, the transcendentals according to Christian doctrine, which is not too bad, can be described as the ultimate desires of man. Meaning, what are our ultimate desires? Um, are they associated with good and true and beauty? I would think so. I mean, people ask questions because they want truth. Um, people want to be treated kindly, not, not shit on, right? I mean, the golden rule, uh, don't do to others what you don't do, what you don't want done to you, is that, you know, even the negatives don't want to be uh, slapped around. They want to slap around without getting slapped around. But nobody really wants to be treated badly. So we want, prefer, you know, we want a kind of treatment or experience that we call good. I mean, everybody has their own idea, but we want something that's good. And ultimately, uh, aside from totally reversed, upside-down masochists, um, most people feel that uh, pleasure is good, and kindliness is good, and fair treatment is good, and people want good, and people ask questions to get answers. That's called the true. And most people would appreciate um, something that is delicious rather than something that tastes rancid. They don't eat shit. You know, not many creatures do. Um, and so people want ta what tastes beautiful, what looks beautiful, what sounds beautiful, the touch of a beautiful uh, partner or something, beautiful music. I mean, most people don't want um, banging uh, jackhammer screeching on the board uh, all around them. So they want something that's harmonious. No? So, yeah, right. These are the ultimate desires of man, the good and the true and the beautiful. And there are very few people who can think that far to boil it down. Man ultimately, in this thing right here, man ultimately strives for, 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 strives for perfection. Well, most people at this point are moved away from that, or who knows what. Most people are totally non-oriented. Man ultimately, ultimately, finally, in the end, yeah, right, true, strives for perfection. And it's really, you know, the difference between the, the spiritualist and the materialist is the spiritually minded person... Um, seeks um, unending happiness by self-improvement. And the materialist seeks unending happiness by manipulation of the environment. 
or material rearrangement, getting stuff and keeping away bad stuff, accumulation, preference. And so the spiritual-minded person and the materialist-minded person, they both, yeah, sure, want um, ultimate happiness. Um, but the spiritually-minded person, um, generally, <laughs> has some greater appreciation of self-responsibility. And that, you know, um, there are golden cages, but they're still cages. And getting and holding stuff is not an ultimate happiness. An ultimate happiness is of mind and heart and of being. And so, yeah, we ultimately strive. Ultimately, in the end, yes, indeed, souls are seeking perfection of experience and ultimately will become spiritually minded and realize that that perfect, perfect experience depends on a perfected um, self or being or awareness or mind or knowing which takes form through the desire for perfect attainment of the transcendentals for those who know <laughs> for those with eyes to see perfect attainment of the transcendentals perfect development of green blue indigo is the self work needed for perfected experience what's perfected experience well <laughs> see you in eighth density and we'll know um, in sixth density it ain't it ain't it ain't meatloaf it's pretty good compared to normal experience here um, the experience of Atman in Sixth Density is just fine, um, but there's more. Finally, Catholic Church, so-called, according to Wikipedia here, Catholic Church, at best, teaches that God is himself truth, goodness, and beauty, right? Okay. The, the triadic essential qualities of being are the qualities of source. The essential create, you know, the, the, in, in, the one creates the seven by way of the three. The Logos uh, creates octaves by way of a triad, which is put by Ra perfectly, the boiled down perfectly, the law of free will, law of love, law of light, infinite will, power, infinite love or um, desire to enable, the desire for being. You see, infinity is before being, <laughs> actually. Infinity is and being and doing haven't yet arisen, but the Logos is of being. Uh, infinite will, acting on infinite love, enabling, seeking to experience being, generating infinite light, 10,000 things, octaves, seven dimensions, and, um, you know, the galaxies and their great sagas, the uh, aeons of time and space. Um, and source... Um, the, the the first breakdown of source is very much the that triad of will, love, light, which is very much akin to uh, beauty, truth, and goodness. Um, but those are, like Aristotle said, the human qualities, uh, certainly truthfulness and goodness, that that lead to unity, that are constituent to being, um, that form beauty and the ability to know beauty and to experience beauty. And then it goes on, each transcends each of these qualities, um, transcends limitations of time and place and rooted in being. Right. Transcendentals are not contingent upon cultural diversity, religious doctrine, or personal ideologies, but are the objective properties of all that exists. 
and that's why <laughs> that that's why um, that's exactly what Heraclitus says when he's talking about um, the logos exists for all, but men act as if their personal opinions um, are, are are final truth, something like that. And why Tao Te Ching says that the the Tao sees all beings as straw dogs. Um, straw dogs are the temporary uh, forms of cultural diversity, religious doctrine, personal ideology, sentiment, preference, uh, personal idiosyncrasy. Those are the impermanent personals that are um, as they are. Um, but the object, but there are objective properties of of being, and that's the good and the true and the beautiful. And the more we can be at peace with the good and the true and the beautiful, um, the more we experience being. But it begins with a real deep honesty about my pain, my pain, and a willingness to go out of anger and allow the underlying grief to come up and out. And um it's very doable and let's see uh i just uh, yeah i think that that that's all i want to say for today the quote from raw is about the poker hands and um that you know incarnation is akin i'll send the link i guess let me do this uh, this will be a little longer talk today uh, 10 more minutes or so uh, 50.7, session 50.7, Don was asking about, is it necessary for an entity to, during incarnation, the physical, become polarized or interact properly with other entities? Why isn't this possible in between entities, in between our incarnations? When he's aware of what he wants to do, but why must he come in, into an incarnation and lose memory, conscious memory of what he wants to do, and then act in a way he hopes to act? Uh, why... What is the value of the veil, the veil, the mind veiling forgetting of 3D space-time incarnation? And Ra was basically saying, I mean, down down the line here, um, down the page, that that uh, the reality is um, that um, an incarnation. They're using the analogy of a, a poker game, a lifetime being a poker game, wherein the cards are, raw quote from raw, cards are, meaning what we're dealing with, are love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure, dot, dot, dot. The cards are catalyst. All the catalyst that arises in the body, sensation, feeling, illness, conditions, all the catalyst that arises in the mind, memory, emotion, thought, idea, uh, everything, and the catalyst of the environment from others and from the physical environment are the cards we face and how we handle them. And Ross said they're dealt and redealt and redealt continuously, um, and it's all associated with polarity. You may, during this incarnation, begin, and that's just, just the point here is that the word is begin, and they said we stress begin, meaning the word begin, only begin to know your own cards. You may begin to find the love within you. You may begin, only begin, to balance your pleasure limitations, meaning all the catalyst. You know, it's not hard to balance pleasure <laughs> or, or be with pleasure. It's hard to balance grief and anger and confusion um, and all sorts of sorrows. 
However, your only indication, you may balance your own, but your only indication of other selves' cards, meaning their conditions or their uh, traits of mind and character, is to look in the eyes. Okay, well, you can also look at their behavior. Um, and not everybody learns much by looking in the eyes. <laughs> you can see, you can see the mind by the eyes for sure, but it's also shown by the face and the geometry and also their behavior and their speech. So, uh, not, it's not true. The only indication of other selves' cards is to look in the eyes. It's not true. Actually, there are many indications of other selves' mind tendency, not only eyes, facial geometry, and other things. But you will see um, more deeply what is uh, the least transient by the eyes, because you're looking right into six density, in some sense, or or the seven, the, the integrated seven ray output or integrated seven ray condition or field can be seen in the eyes too. Yes. Then they conclude and say you cannot remember your hand, their hands, perhaps even the rules of the game. This game meaning the purpose of incarnation, can only be one, which really means only having, a, uh, only we can have success in, in learning and development in a lifetime. Only by those, or when we, for those who lose their cards in the melting influence of love, that doesn't mean I like, can only be one, meaning we can win the game, which really means to do well <laughs> in the incarnation. For those who lay their pleasures, their limitations, their all upon the table face up openly and say inwardly, all, all of you players, each other self, whatever your hand, I love you. That is not sentimental. <laughs> that is accepting reality. That is ultimate honesty, not feeling good. Because as we said before, much of what we don't accept is what feels bad. My pain, my grief, my confusion, my bad patterns, your, you know, my distortions and your distortions, my lack of love, my lack of wisdom, your lack of love and wisdom, social conditions and, and leadership of society, lack of love and wisdom. These are the cards or the catalyst that's most difficult to accept and, and work with. Anybody can deal with sweet, friendly, but sweet, friendly, honest is not hard to be with. What's hard to be with is the evil <laughs> uh, of, of human leadership and the ignorance and distortions and deformations, the degradations of human culture and one's own deep pain, imprinted pain, and one's own complex patterns of avoidance and defense mechanism, self-deception, and, and um, lack of goodness and lack of truth knowing and lack of beauty those deficiencies, those are the difficulties. Uh, but to say I love you doesn't mean I like you. It means I accept it is as it is, and um, I accept my painful reaction to the reality that it is as it is. But I also know that I am more than distortion, and life is more than this incarnation, and um, creation is more than earth humanity. And there's much greater work going on here. Ra said, this is the game to know, accept, forgive, balance, and open the self in love. And yeah, that's the healing cycle. But Ra didn't say the game includes liking or feeling happy. No. Healing or winning the game 
or doing well in an incarnation with all the challenging catalyst requires the healing of that and our distortions requires a willingness to unconditionally accept and therefore know and then move to forgiveness which leads to balancing and all of that is indeed opening self in love but we can only begin that work it cannot be completed and that's something that i realized uh, listening to genesis <laughs> hour after hour the same songs going on and on is that i i nearly uh, you know to heal the pain of this incarnation and the cycle of incarnations i can do hardly a minuscule portion i have no comprehension of how much is unhealed none how much i don't know what i don't know i don't know how much i don't know i don't know how much i don't know but i can assume what i don't know is vast you too it doesn't mean i'm bad or stupid that's just the reality <laughs> that's the reality of third density life under the veil we we know nearly nothing so that's why i said rock kept saying begin 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 you can begin to know your cards you can begin to find love within you really it's not love within you it's to resonate with universal love to open to universal love you may begin to balance your pleasure limitations you know balance distortions you can begin we can begin we only do a little in this incarnation and then raw saying that that ultimately all of that work um which is quite wonderful and 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 uh, much more important than we realize can't be done um and have a um clear uh transformative consequence effect on my body spirit without the forgetting for it would carry no weight in the life of the my body spirit being as totality meaning there would be no development of the seven chakra seven energy fields totality of what we uh work with in the octave without a forgetting meaning if we knew and were living in love bliss uh without a veil um uh, it wouldn't be hard <laughs> to to be uh, at one or in healing with love wisdom so the great work is to um return to a life uh in harmony with the transcendentals while under the veil forgetting where we know very little very very little about ourselves um and therefore we shouldn't be arrogant <laughs> or if you want to be arrogant go right ahead but you're it's a foolish way to live because uh, lots of people know little uh we too and that's just the way it goes and so and yet we can keep seeking and and have a, as a high value um a life in harmony with the transcendentals so next time I want to look into Parmenides and we'll see where we go with it. Um thank you very much for being here. I know it's longer than normal. Um I think this is rich and beautiful. I hope you do too. Take good care. See you next time and good night. <laughs>